Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we just really want to thank you for tonight. We thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father Almighty God, for your grace and your favor. And we ask, O oh Lord, that in your mercy and in your kindness, that Father, cause your word to allay every fear that your people have. We pray, my Father, that in your grace, your favor, your kindness and your mercy, in your goodness, Father, that you will do this. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. Can you please turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke? So I'll read from Luke chapter 5 from verse 1. The Bible says the following. Now it came up about that while people were pushing to be near him and to have knowledge of the word of God, he was by a wide stretch of water named Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the edge of the water, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the property of Simon, and made a request to him to go a little way out from the land. And being seated, he gave the people the teaching, teaching from the boat. And when his talk was ended, he said to Simon, go out into deep water and let your nets, let down your nets for fish. And Simon answering said, Master, we were working all night and we took nothing. But he makes a phrase that I want you to remember. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they had got such a great number of fish that it seemed as if their nets would be broken. And they made signs Okay, they made signs to their friends in the other boats to come to their help, and they came. And the two boats were so full, they were going down. But Simon, when he saw it, went down at the knees of Jesus and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. For he was full of such wonder. So were all those who were with him at the number of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were working with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, now listen, listen carefully, have no fear. From this time forward, you will be a fisher of men. Okay, now, this is interesting. So I just want you to keep that in mind. And so at about half past or so, We'll jump into that, depending on how many questions we get. But I want you to keep that piece, um, that piece of scripture in mind. And so that's it. All right. Okay. Now, the question I've got is, how does a Christian pray about a desired career path if they are not sure if it is God's will? It's very interesting. And so how do you pray about a desired career path? So let's say you 
wants to go, that means you want to do or be something. So how do you pray about it if you're not sure it's God's will? Now, um, this is the beauty of praying, especially when it gives you the option of praying in the spirit. But let's, let me go, um, let me open up the Amplified Bible. And I'm going to, I'm going to open up um, another, let me open this, let me open this one up. And I'll open up the Amplified Bible. And I, ladies and gentlemen, if you can turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16, please. Proverbs 16. And we're going to read from one to three, and then we'll go from there. Great question. So how do you know whether or not it's God's will? Let me just get that open. Proverbs 16. Open up. Wonderful. Okay. One to three. And I'm going to read it. In, I'll read it in the Amplified Classic version. Okay, so the question is, how do we pray? How do you pray about a desired career path if they're not sure if it's God's will? This is how we pray. Um, so the first thing is, I'll read from Proverbs 16 from verse 1, and I'm reading the Amplified Bible. And the Bible says the following. Let me read it. Let me pull it here. Okay, excellent. The Bible says, there we go, great. The Bible says the plans, of the, the plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man, but from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. That's step one. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse three, so this is how you pray. Roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him, and he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. So if you are praying about a career that should I be, uh, let's say, a doctor, or should I be um should I be an accountant or even you may have finished your qualifications and it's like, which way do I go? What job do I get? The, the first thing you've got to do is remember, God wants to guide you. All the scriptures are there to say he wants to guide you. Now, this one is really nice. The reason I say it's nice is this. The first thing God wants you to do is do your homework. The Bible said the plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man. That means lay out your options in an orderly fashion. So you can look at all the pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses. So we are not coming from a position of you're just in a cloud. The Bible says, do your planning, lay it out that this will take me three years. It will take me this amount of money. I'll have to work here. I'll need to do this number of internships. Am I any good at it? Have I done it before? And so on and so forth. Do your part. The second thing is this. Remember, when God looks at you, when you come to the Lord in the place of prayer, the first place he's going to look is your heart. So there's some times that he will look at your heart and he will realize that, you know what, even if the job is yours, you might not be ready. So I'm going to find a way to get you into that industry, but I might take you on a detour. 
or you may not be able to manage the benefits or rewards of that particular career. And then the third thing is this, this is what you do. What you do is that you present it to the Lord, you give him the freedom to say yes or no. And so the Bible says, roll it on the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is what I want to um, achieve. This is what I want to become. Now, that being the case, it's like, Lord, but I trust you if it is not your will. Okay. All right. So declarations. All right. Sorry. All right. I'll pause for the declarations. Okay. Let's do the declarations. Um, so let's do this. Okay. Everybody together. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves, we pray and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord, forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Okay, amen. Thank you so much for that. So let me wrap up your questions. So let's go on. So what, what do we do? So when you pray, the Bible says, roll your works upon the Lord. And then the Bible says, commit them wholly to him. Meaning, Lord, I am ready for you to say, yes, I am also ready for you to say no and I'll know that either way that you choose is fine because you are guiding me. And so you realize that this is repeated. If you have a look at Proverbs 3, the Bible says, and I'll switch to the modern King James. The Bible says from verse 5, trust in Jehovah with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Meaning, leave it to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I want to do. Guide me. Now, if heaven is silent, then go ahead and apply. Knowing that you've laid it before the Lord with an open heart. So if God needs to get through to you, he will. And so what you're giving the Lord is the opportunity to instruct you. Now, we last thing I'll, I'll say about that is this. What is going to happen? God may not necessarily put a rainbow around, let's say, Goldman Sachs and say, apply here. More than likely, he will open up his word. More than likely, he will send somebody to give you counsel. You The answer he may not give you a direct answer he may simply out of six applications you send in one of them will give you the job and because you've laid it before the lord you can be rest assured that lord this is where you want me to be right now last thing i'll say is this turning your bibles ladies and gentlemen to psalms 37 and I'm going to read verse 23. And I'm going to read it in both um, 
two versions. I'm going to read it in the modern King James, but I'm also going to read it in the Amplified Bible. So if you can go to Psalms 37, verse 23, great question. It's lovely when a question opens up so many other things. So I'll read it in the modern King James. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by Jehovah and he delights in his way. Lovely scripture. So let's settle something. So that means if you send out five applications or you decide that, okay, which way is my heart going? Now, I'll come, I've got one more thing to say after this. Which way is my heart going? And you go and then you know it's the Lord. Let's say you send out five applications and heaven is silent and you get one job. You know that the Lord is there because he's directing your steps. Also, if it be that your parents specifically say, let's say the people that, are, that, that, that they say that, listen, I will only pay for medicine and a doctor you will be. Let me explain something about going down a road that you may not realize God wants you to go down. Notice. A lot of people in the Bible learned the skills that turned their life around on roads that they were very unfamiliar and probably unwilling to go down. So don't be afraid. What's the ultimate thing I want you to remember is that God is ordering your steps. Let me read that scripture for the last time. And, I'm, and that's, this is where I'll close it. I hope I've helped. This is where I'll close it. But I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. Forgive me, I'm starting to smile. The Bible says, the steps of a good man are directed and established by the Lord when he delights in his way. And he busies himself with his every step. That means God will not let you make a mistake because you've given him control. And that means when you come to make a choice, the Lord will be with you. And that's how he'll define it. I hope that gives you the range of options and how to pray with confidence, knowing that God will order your steps and God will make it clear to you whichever way you go. I hope that answers your question. Very, very good question. Um, the next question that we'll pick up, the next one we'll pick up is, okay. Um, all right, the next question is this. Is it always the case that you will be brilliant at the onset of what you are gifted at and God has planned as your path or will you still need to develop that area to get a level of brilliance? Fabulous question. Will you always be good at it or brilliant at it from day one? The answer is no. And so let me, let me, because we have little time, let me drive home the point with some very famous people. Turn with me, let me go to the maximum. Turn with me, um, there, there are two scriptures that have, have come to my mind, but I want to look at Luke two, and then I'm going to have a look at a scripture in Hebrews, speaking about the same person. Come with me to Luke two. Now, to use an example, the Bible speaks about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to, I, I would have started from Luke 2, verse 40, but I want to go down to, um, I want to go down to verse 50, uh, 51. 
Luke 2 verse 51, speaking about Jesus Christ. Now remember, Jesus Christ is our example. Jesus Christ is our example. And then I will go back to another example because your question is very, very, very good. Okay, now Luke 2 51, the Bible says, and he went with them and came to Nazareth and he was subject to them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. So Jesus has discovered, this is what I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be the Messiah. This is where I'm going. Now, what happens to me? He goes back with them and they don't train him to be a Messiah. They train him to be a carpenter. So we know that. So he literally steps into a season of instruction. But notice what happens. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Meaning that which made Jesus Christ brilliant at ultimately being a savior and being a full representative of who we are as human beings, the Bible says he learned them. He learned them. And so that's why you realize, will you be brilliant at the beginning? The answer is not necessarily. You might be gifted at something and it may be obvious that the gift is there but there will always be a process of preparation or growth so let me use another um scripture one of my favorites and so uh, i will go there but i let me i will go to proverbs 22 verse 6 in a moment and that's where i'll end it but let me go to hebrews 5 um just give me a moment let me find it for you uh, the Bible says, all right, Hebrews 5 verse 8, speaking about Jesus Christ, the Bible says, um, let me read, I'll read Hebrews 5 verse 8, and I'll read Hebrews 5 verse 9, so let's keep that in mind, though he were a son, yet, I'm sorry, I'm, re I'm reading from the Old King James, Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, willingly went through. And the Bible then says, and being made perfect or mature, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. In simple terms, that means Jesus Christ grew. He learned and then he became so. What you are called to do, what you are gifted for, you need to be trained. A raw gift and a trained gift are two different things. A raw gift may give you access. A trained gift where God has not only worked on your gift, but he's built your personality and character so that you are able to carry the gift and manage the rewards is something completely different. So will you always be brilliant from the onset? No, and don't panic about it. Because, the, and this is where I'm, I'll end this one. Come with me to Proverbs 22, verse six. So Proverbs 22, verse six, and I'm going to read from um, am, the Amplified Bible, Proverbs 22, verse six if I can get this to work, sorry. One of these wonderful things about technology. Here we go. 
and I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. The Bible says the following. It is one of my favorite verses. Train up a child in the way he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Notice the word the Bible uses. The Bible uses the word train. That means instill the necessary disciplined environment around the gift, bent, or skill of a child so that by the time he grows, he will not depart from it because he will be able to carry it to the maximum. And so you notice when God finds a man, he always prepares a man before he puts him into service. Last thing I'll say about preparation, preparation will more than likely be done outside the area of your performance. So you will realize God will train you in private. You will perform in public. I hope that answers your question. So be so if you're not brilliant at what you're gifted at, don't panic. You can always add to it. So always learn and, and keep going. Okay. All right. Let me go to the next question. Um, God has planned as your path. Great question. Okay. Um, how do you encourage yourself when you feel you have not achieved the major goal or life achievement? Thank you. So how do you encourage yourself when it looks like something has literally slipped out of your hands? So it's like, Lord, let, I, I've made a mistake or a season has passed me by. So how do you encourage yourself? So let's clarify. Let's go to a, a few things. The first thing is this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Um, have I got this? Okay, Romans 8, 28. It doesn't matter which version. Um, Romans 8. Romans 8. Here we go. Let's go to verse 28, and it gives us an idea. And the Bible says the following. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. So let's put that verse in context. The Bible says all things work together for our good because we love the Lord and we are the called according to his purpose. So even if we slip on a milestone, so let's say we don't get something right. And the Bible, so you begin to realize, but God has worked into the plan, the opportunity for you to do that. And so I'll give you an, an, an example, a couple of examples. You will realize if you come with me, please, to Genesis chapter 15. So Genesis 15. Oh, there's so many, wow. Let me use Genesis 15, it's, it's, it's two examples. The Bible, Genesis 15, God comes to Abraham and God says to Abraham in verses one to six, and I'll just use verse one to start. And the Bible says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham, a vision, fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
And the, I'll read to verse six. And Abraham said, I'll switch to the Bible in basic, actually, yes, I'll switch to the Bible in basic English. Um, so it's easier to read. And Abraham said, what will you give me? For I have no child and this Eliezer of Damascus will have all my wealth after me. And Abraham said, you have given me no child and a servant in my house will get the heritage. Then said the Lord, the man will not get the heritage, but the son of your body will have your property after you. And he took him out into the open air and said to him, let your eyes be lifted to heaven and see if the stars may be numbered. Even so will your seed be. And he had faith in the Lord and it was put to his account as righteousness. God promises him a son. You now see, skip to verse chapter 17, chapter, yes, let me just go. Yes, chapter 16, and Abraham makes a mistake. Abraham, and the Bible gives us his age. The Bible says, Abraham makes a mistake. Sarai says, you know what? I can't do this. Here we have a workaround. I have an Egyptian maid, take the maid, make her pregnant, and she will give birth while I'm holding on to her. And because in those days that maid was my property, she will say that the children that she has are mine. And so that was what she did. It all went, it backfired horribly. But that means, so Abraham now has a son that God didn't plan for necessarily. Notice what the Bible says in verse chapter 16, verse 16. And the Bible says, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. So Abraham is 86 years old. Go to the beginning of verse 17. And this is verse one. The Bible then says, when Abraham was 99 years old, so it's 13 years apart. That is critical, and I'll explain why. The Lord came to him and said, I am God, the ruler of all. Go in my ways and be upright in all things. And then he reestablishes the covenant. Why is that critical for the beginning of our explanation? God gives Abraham a second chance, but when his son is born at 86, God gives him 13 years to be a father to that child. So that child is raised to adulthood completely. At 13, a Jewish child will go through what we call a bar mitzvah. At that time, it wasn't established because the law hadn't been established, but they will bring a child into an adult congregation at 13. So God gives Abraham 13 years to raise Ishmael, raise him as his child. And then he says, let's start again, not allowing Abraham to die, not allowing the plans to shift, not allowing, listen carefully, not allowing the plans to fall apart. Now, what does that mean? If you've missed a milestone, don't panic because God is well prepared for you. So on your journey back to it, everything you learn will benefit you in future. So Abraham now begins again. He goes on another journey with the Lord, ending when he's 100 and he has the child. And that's the child we now add when we say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God makes sure a second chance happens 
to him. When you have missed the, how do you encourage yourself? The first thing you must remember is the nature and personality of the God you serve. Remember, nothing is impossible for God. He will work it into his plan. That means no matter how devastating it looks for you, Luke 1.37 is still true. God is still in charge. And so he will order your steps so that, listen, even if God does not give you a second chance, he will make something happen that will match what you have lost. Two things I want to say, and then I'll move on because we've got a few other questions. But let's keep this in mind. When you miss a milestone, God will help you make a second chance happen. Give it some thought. Moses at 40 decides, let me do what's on my inside, and he screws up. He finds himself outside of Egypt on the backside of the desert, which is where we get the term from, on the backside of the desert, taking care of sheep. God leaves him there for 40 years. Now, I want you to remember something. Moses was the answer to the Israelites' prayers in Exodus 2. God delayed his arrival for 40 years to train him, allowing the Israelites to live, die, and be married while he trained Abraham. And he made sure every Israelite that needed to be on the journey of Exodus was alive by the time Moses came back. God is in absolute control. So please hear me, don't panic. What does God want you to do? The Bible says it in Isaiah 30 verse 15. I will read it there. Now he's speaking to the Israelites, but he's speaking in the negative. So don't worry, I'll explain that part for you. Isaiah 30, reading from verse 15, I'll read. For the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, said, in quiet and rest is your salvation. Peace and hope are your strength, but you would not have it so. Now, let me put that, let me read that in the King James Version so I can be clear. The Bible says from verse 15, same verse in the old King James, it's a little bit clearer and I'll break it down. The Bible says, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, shall you be saved. That means coming back to him whenever necessary and resting in him in that he is in charge will lead to your salvation. But the Bible says, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. That means in any situation, the first thing to do, return to God and ask him, what do I do next? He's not going to upbraid. He's not going to be cruel. He's not going to be angry. He's just going to give you the necessary wisdom to get it right the next time. So what am I saying? Be confident in the fact that God is in charge of your story. Pick yourself up and try again. Because I don't have details of what the milestone is, I can't really go any much further than that. But let's, last verse I want to give you, this is the one that popped into my heart first. Psalm 103, verse 5, one of my favorites. The Bible says that the Lord God will satisfy your mouth, your necessity, 
and your desire at your current age and situation with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles strong soaring and overcoming meaning god has the ability to give you yesterday back so don't worry thank you very much i'm glad that answers your question okay let um all right would god bring you back to what he has called you to do even though you've turned a different way several times that's answered fantastic all right how do you walk in faith on a practical level okay outside of prayer and declaring god's word when you are believing god for a physical healing and it seems delayed now let's settle great question sophie great question let's break a couple of things down there isn't a root <laughs> outside of faith but i understand your question so what can you do practically when you are believing god for a healing now let's let's put this in context very interesting so let's put this in context first let's settle something god wants you healed that is beyond question god wants you healed isaiah 53 verses four and five i'll go there for a good reason isaiah 53 verses four and five so i'll i'll go there first and then let's then i will speak practically about what you can do the but let's settle so that let's settle something that number one it is god's intention that you are healed um the bible says surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of god and afflicted speaking of jesus christ but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed that's the truth so let's settle something healing is what god wants to give you that's what jesus does acts chapter 10 verse 38 says the same thing the bible says that god anointed jesus christ with the holy ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed to the devil so healing is god's intention for you so we'll settle that so now you are now waiting for a healing so you are going through it so what do you do practical things first things first pray over the medicine you're taking and take it regularly the bible so i want you to realize pray over medicine is not a curse take the medicine pray over the medicine and take it with faith in that god you will use this as a medium to heal me god uses medicine to heal sometimes so you, um let me find that for you uh it's a very interesting word in, in the old king james poultice let's find let's just look for figs in the book of isaiah isaiah 38 verse 21 the Bible says, for Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil and he shall recover. So this was speaking about Hezekiah. What did Isaiah do? Isaiah used medicine to heal Hezekiah. God uses medicine. So don't panic. So pray over the medicine, 
practically. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. I want you to please remember the victory of what you are going through will be found when you say the word of God over your life repetitively. That will control the thoughts and the words that go on on your inside, which is where the battle is. Your thoughts, your words, and your actions. So you've got to get to a point where you are speaking healing more than you are thinking sickness. Does that make sense? But I'll explain what I mean. And so let me use an example. Turn with me to Mark 5. Um, because honestly, waiting for a healing, it's a challenge. There will be good days and there will be bad days. I understand. Mark 5 verse 25 practically and so this is what and i'll read the story within reason and i'll stop where i need to the bible said and jesus went with him and much people followed him let me come out of the king james version of the bible sorry let me go into the bible in basic news the story is fantastic and they came to the other side of the sea into the country of gerasenes and when he got out of the boat straight away there came i'm reading from verse one let me get to verse 25 sorry here we go right and a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had undergone much at the hands of a number of medical men and had given all she had and was no better, but even worse. When she had news of the things which Jesus did, went among the people coming after him and put her hand on his robe. For she said, if I may put my hand on his robe, I will be made well. 29 and straight away the fountain of her blood was stopped and she had a feeling in her body that her disease had gone and she was well straight away Jesus was conscious that power had gone out of him I'll read the whole story and turning to the people he said who was touching my robe and his disciples said to him you see the people around you on every side and you say who was touching me and on this he's looking around to see her who had done this thing the woman shaking with fear, conscious of what had been done to her, came falling on her face before him and gave him a true account of everything. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your disease. But let me nail this to the ground for us to use a phrase I, I commonly use. When the Bible says in verse 27, when she had news of the things which Jesus did and went among the people coming after him and put her hand on the robe, for she said, verse 28, if I may put my hand on his robe, I will be made well. No one tells us how long she had been looking for Jesus. No one tells us how long she had gone from rumor to rumor, synagogue to synagogue, town to town, to the point that by the time she got to Jesus, her faith was unstoppable. Now, this is the thing about waiting for healing, especially if it's something you fought with all your life. You must begin to build the picture of you being healed in on the inside, which is simply saying what God says about healing, which will form a bridge between you and the Lord. 
it, it's not wickedness. It is the same way we take medicine. So you've got to be saying the promises that God said over your life, saying it repetitively, saying it on the way to the hospital, saying it on the way back, saying it, keeping good. So keep that in mind. So saying it is critical. Now, there's another thing. Now, I'm going to look for this verse because I, I know the one I want, but I can't remember where it is. Couple of other things I want you to do. Um, let me go to King James. There's a scripture I'm looking for a merry heart. Uh, praise God. Da, 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 da. Yes. Proverbs 17, verse 22. The Bible says, let, I'll read that. A merry, I'm reading from the old King James. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. You have to find places where you find joy. Find things that give you joy. Find joy in the Lord. Stay around people that are cheerful, even when you're going through a nightmare. Laugh a lot because it works. It builds the atmosphere on your inside. So speak the word regularly. Obviously, pray the word and don't be afraid to go back to God repetitively for the same thing. It's perfectly all right. The Bible can handle that. So keep that in mind. The last thing I want to say is this. There's, there's one more scripture. Um, Merry heart doeth good like medicine. There's one scripture that, that oh, the Lord laid on my heart. As I was explaining, I've forgotten it. Oh, Holy Spirit, I've got to remember that. Um, oh, Father. I will remember. I'll remember. When it comes to me, I'll just stop and I'll go back to it. Say God's word healing will come. Pray God's word. Yes, yes, yes. The difference between success and failure is not in your body, my dear. It's in your heart. Let me go. Oh, Father, thank you for tonight. Yes. Proverbs 13, verse 12. The key thing you want to do when you are waiting for God for a healing, you're not looking at your body or the symptoms. That's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. The Bible says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. The difference, my dear, is in your heart. Proverbs 13, verse 12, says the following. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So your focus, my dear, must be causing the desire to become a reality. That's our focus. Because if you focus on every failure, every time you go to the doctor, every time the prognosis gets worse, every time you have to go through a repetitive bout of illness, that makes 
the weight of your heart, it builds what we call a sickness or a depression. Now keep this in mind. Your focus is to make a desire come to pass. And so where, how do we do that? Mark 11, 22 to 24. Mark 11, 22 to 24. And this is where I'll stop. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. Let's settle something. It is God that heals irrespective of how you feel. I know it might be difficult, but remember, it's God that must be your focus. How do you focus on God? Jesus says, if any man shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe what he says, he shall have whatsoever he says. The Bible goes on to say, he says, therefore, whatsoever things you desire, there's that word again, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Meaning, how, what's the bridge to get a desire to come? It is to build the strength of your belief, which keeps your hopes alive until God turns your circumstances. But let me pause. And so let me say a very simple prayer. The other thing that brings healing is an anointing. And so Father Almighty God, we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pause and we pray specifically over Sophie and we pray in the name of Jesus. The Father, by reason of the anointing that comes at the teaching of your word, the Bible says that when your word is taught, the power of God is present to heal. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I decree you healed. May God heal you by an anointing. May he give you assistance. May he give you strength. And may he keep you here until it turns. Father, I ask you to heal Sophie as only you can. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have prayed. I hope that helps. We could have gone on and on, but I hope that helps. Right, I've got to scroll back to get your question. I hope that really helps, my dear. If it doesn't, I'm more than happy to have a conversation. You have my number, so please feel free to use it. Um, okay, great question. Okay. All right. Oh, there's the same question. How do you move on when you pray for healing over somebody with faith, but the person dies? Okay, let's come to a conclusion. This is, this is where it's a very... It's a very difficult question, sometimes a difficult in a sense that let's not belittle the journey of faith that you've come. Now, you've prayed over somebody and they pass away. It might be somebody really close to you. It might be somebody personal to you. It might be somebody further away. It's very difficult in the sense of you feel like, well, God, didn't I do enough? But the bottom line is this. The bottom line is that this is where we come into the place of the sovereignty of God. There are certain things when you're praying for somebody for a healing, 
there are lots of factors that go in, but one of them is this. We might be praying for a healing because we really want the person to stay. And it's not because you did not pray, but that person's time might be up. That's one. Also, the person's faith in the fight comes into question. But the last thing, and this is what I want you to remember, is when you've prayed the sovereignty of God in that God knows better than we do as to how tomorrow will pan out. Ours is to pray, his is to heal. So if the person passes away, it does not mean that God did not hear us. It does not mean that we did not pray right. It does not mean that we didn't get there in time. It's just something that God will make clear to us when we come in front of him. There isn't a, oh, we did it right or we did it wrong. Because remember, the line of life and death. Let me find the scripture for you. Um, Holy Spirit, I, it's this one. Now. Where am I? Where am I? Am I in the right version? Yes. Find a phrase. Yeah. Um, look for yes psalms 116 verse 15 psalms 116 verse 16 the bible says the following precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints meaning god never lets anybody cross the line of life and death without taking everything into consideration and then the decision is made because God is omniscient he knows everything about everybody at the same time so when somebody passes and crosses over the bible says in first thessalonians reading from chapter four the bible says the person has fallen asleep they leave here and they go to be with the lord in that case, I know it's a really difficult thing to say, but in all sincerity, on that side of the line where God takes a, one of his saints home, he never does it lightly. So sometimes we pray and it doesn't come to pass. It's not that your faith didn't work. It's just that there is something involved that we don't know. And Jesus says to his servants, in Acts chapter 1, he said the times and the seasons that the Father has placed in his own power, he does so. But how do you now continue? He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he'll give you enough so that you can continue without knowing that information. And everything you do need to know, he will make possible to you. That doesn't take away the pain, the grief, or the sense of loss, and I do not belittle it. But I really hope that the answer gives you a little bit of comfort um, when you've prayed for somebody and the person has passed away. I really hope that gives you a little bit of comfort. Um, I'll, I'll move on from there. We're almost, we are, wow, 
Wait, there's only one minute left. Um, all right. What was the last scripture I mentioned? What was I? If you can just tell me what I was speaking about, hopefully I can get that to you. Um, let me see. We're coming to the end, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. Um, all right. That's that. Um, the last scripture I mentioned, Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I also spoke about 1 Thessalonians 4, where the Bible speaks about saints falling asleep to wake up again with the Lord. Um, so just to keep that in mind, I hope that really helps. Um, oh, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, we've answered all the questions, if I'm not wrong. Okay, so stirring up belief would be by saying the word until it happens. Okay, this is the last thing I'll say. Jennifer, great question. Stirring up belief, let's settle something. Oh, wow, Father, thank you. Let's see where belief comes from. Romans 10 verse 17 is key. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes, the first thing is hearing. Hearing is different from listening. So hearing the word of God means you process what you hear into thoughts, words, or actions through the process of meditation, thinking, muttering, saying to yourself, studying, letting the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. The Bible says, hearing as a process, what do you process? You process the words of God. That means the promises of God that speak about his person, his nature, or the specific thing you are asking for, you process to the point that you now come to believe them, to accept them as true with or without evidence. I'll give you an example, and this is where we'll close, ladies and gentlemen. Think about your name. All of us learned our names by the process of meditation. Grandma came to your crib, she said it. Your mom came to your crib, she said it. Your dad came to the crib, said it. Aunties said it. When you're in trouble, you hear it. When you're small, you hear it. You begin to associate a word with you. Now, if somebody asks you your name, you say it with confidence. Why? The process has it's become a process where you now come to accept as true that your name is your name, even though somebody, you never read it until probably when you were either going to get something, you needed your birth certificate for something, or you were traveling, or they gave you a passport, or you were filling a form in. But you did not learn your name when you read it. You learned your name when you heard it, and then you responded to it. That's how faith is built. Jesus does not mind if you use, if you are the one speaking, and you are the one hearing, it's absolutely fine. The process will always work. To wrap that up, please turn with me to Matthew 13, and I am closing because I'm over for I'm over time this evening. Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at one verse. Verse 15. 
Jesus explains the process. Um, I'll read it in the Bible in basic English. The Bible says, for the heart of this people has become fat and their ears are slow in hearing and their eyes are shut for fear that they might see with their eyes, step one, and giving hearing with their ears, step two, and become wise in their hearts and be turned again to me so that I might make them well. That's how belief happens. You say it, then you hear it, and then it creates pictures on your inside of what you are saying. And um, when you say it a sufficient amount of times, it builds a picture in your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how faith is built. It's a process. I hope you've had a wonderful time. One thing I'd like to reiterate, if you would like to listen, <clears throat> um, Isaiah 38. Um, no, the Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. That's not Isaiah 38. Um, Oh, God will help us. Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22. Isaiah 38, where um, Isaiah used the poultice of figs, is Isaiah 38, 21. Okay? Isaiah 38, 21. Ladies and gentlemen, we are done for this evening. Um, I'm glad you've had a great deal of fun. We'll see you next week. Thank you for all the questions. I hope it's really helped. May God be kind to you. Have a wonderful evening. God bless you.